All right. So I just want to start out by saying the only negative thing about recording a podcast is that you cannot blare your pump up jams while you're doing it. Because let me tell you right now, right before this episode, I was getting down to some earth, wind and fire and I had to stop it to have complete silence in order to record this. So that is the only negative to recording a podcast. But I digress. That's not the point. Today, we are going to talk about how to authentically support other people. And I mean, down the line, we'll obviously talk about how to express to people how we need to be authentically supported, which you can get out of this podcast as well. But um, how to authentically support other people is such a big deal. And I don't think it's talked about enough because so often we have great intentions and they're followed up by actions that don't serve the person we're trying to help. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, We're going to give you some tips and some tools to kind of understand why this is so important and how it can have such a positive impact on your life and the people that you love and that you're trying to help and the people that you're trying to serve. So um, I'm really excited for today's podcast and um, let's get down to it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Owning Your Authenticity with me, Diana Terry. This podcast is all about breaking down the stereotypes we were raised with to create our real, authentic life. We talk about every kind of relationship, life and business, creating worthy routines, setting boundaries, and leaning into that little voice that says, you are meant for more. If you've checked off all the boxes of what you were supposed to do, and you still feel like it's not right or not enough, then this podcast is for you. I know that your time is super valuable, so thank you for joining me, and let's get started. Okay, so today we're talking about how to authentically support others. The reason I brought this up is because I have received so much support in so many ways that didn't actually serve me, despite the beautiful, wonderful intentions behind it. So, I mean, have you ever been in that situation where someone's like, oh, I want to support you in what you're doing, whether you're maybe you're starting a small business. Oh, I want to support you, but I'm going to support you by telling you my critiques of what you're doing. And you're sitting there as a small business owner. Maybe you're starting an Etsy store or you're you're selling something or you're providing a service and you're like, well, I didn't ask for your critiques and your critiques actually don't serve me because I'm not in the space to receive them. If you want to support a small business, then purchase from that business, support them on social media, write a positive review on Google or Yelp or their website or whatever it may be. But there's a difference between supporting people to make yourself feel good and be like, oh, I did a good thing or supporting people to actually support them in a way that serves them. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And one of the best ways to understand how to do something is to experience it for yourself on the receiving end. When I say that, what I mean is think back to a time that someone maybe tried to help and you felt offended because there are so many times I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I feel like everyone has experienced this where someone was like, oh, I'm just trying to help. But in that space of their intention of helping, they're crossing boundaries or making you uncomfortable, or doing things that don't actually help. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Like one of the biggest struggles in any type of relationship is people feeling unsupported, whether it's, I mean, oftentimes it happens at work. 
people, employees feel unsupported by management or the company itself, or like they say one thing and do another um, in relationships, romantic relationships, friendships. It's so often that this happens, that you feel like the other person isn't supporting you. And when those conversations come up, whether they come up in an argument or just a conversation, it's usually just a miscommunication between someone's intent and how it's being received by the other person. So that's what we're going to kind of dive into today. Um, If we don't do the work to understand not only the intent that we have, but how someone needs to be supported, then we resort to helping them how we want to be helped and not how they need to be helped. And it seems like such a simple concept, but it is so often overlooked in relationships and it is so often not seen as part of the problem. Oftentimes fights or arguments come up because you think, oh, you're just not hearing me or you don't understand me. You're not taking the time to get it. But the truth is, is that someone may have had the full wonderful intent of supporting you, but they're doing it in the wrong way. And it doesn't mean that they're doing it maliciously. It just means that it's not the way that you need to be supported. So like an example of this is if if anyone has ever known a struggling single parent, they, you may sit there and go, oh, my friend is a single parent and I want to support them in that. And you may think with the best intention that buying them a gift card for a manicure or a gift certificate to an expensive restaurant that maybe you know they don't normally take themselves out to is going to be helpful to them. And you do that with all this beautiful love and thought and support behind it. But when they receive it, they're sitting here going, oh, thank you so much for that. And oftentimes in this exchange, you may walk away feeling like, oh, I just did this really nice thing and they didn't act like it was so great. And because we don't always talk about these things, a lot of miscommunication starts in that moment. So what you may view as, oh, I'm going to pay and spend my money because I want to splurge and support you and spoil you because of all the wonderful things you do by giving you a manicure or a night out. Now, put yourself in the receiving end of that situation if you are a single parent A night out means that you have to have someone watch your children. That is money that you maybe don't have to spend on daycare. A night out often feels like a splurge when you could be doing, quote unquote, better things with your time. Or they sit there and go, you know, you spent $100 on a gift card at a restaurant that I can't go to because it will cost me more money to go that I don't have, when in reality, they may have just benefited from that money. The intent is still there. But there's this awkward thing that happens when we talk about exchanging money or giving money to someone who's struggling. It's, And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this episode. But um, my point is that you may see it as this super helpful, wonderful, positive intent thing And the person receiving it may not be in the space to receive that gift. Because when you gave that gift, you thought, okay, I want to make them feel special. What makes me feel special? I like to have a nice dinner out. I like to get my nails done. It's my time away. It's my alone time. I know me personally, 
I get my nails done every three weeks. It is like really one of the only things I do as for myself, aside from like baths or whatever that I spend money on that is seen as an excess. But to me, it's a necessity. That's my thing. And I will gladly justify that to anyone who's asking. But my point is, if someone else doesn't see the value in that, it's not going to feel the way that you thought you were going to make them feel because in their mind, it doesn't hold value on the same level. So it's just something that we need to think about. So intention is not always enough. Attention does not always equal great action. People can have the best of intentions and fail to act, speak, or do the right thing in a situation. And the truth of the matter is intention is, it's inflated. It's it's overrated. (laughs) And I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, It's like when someone says no offense and then they say something completely offensive. My son did this the other day and he's young and it's the first time he's ever said this. And he said something, I can't even recall, but he said something offensive to me. It was kind of just like a little snarky, attitude-y kind of comment. And then he followed it up with no offense. And I said, well, you know, bud, that's actually a pretty offensive thing to say. And he kind of like stopped and looked at me and was like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, just because you say no offense doesn't mean it's not offensive. It just means that you don't want someone to be offended. But the truth of the matter is, it's your responsibility to think about what you say before you say it. It's not someone else's responsibility to respond according to your intentions. Um, So it was a fun little learning lesson for him. And he was kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. And I was like, "Okay, we'll we'll learn from this. Um, So what do we do instead? What do we remedy for the situation? Um, When we talk about our intention not being enough. Um, For starters, let's talk about the intention because that's where really everything comes from. All of our decisions come from an intent to do something. We intend to have a clean house. Therefore, we mop, do laundry, vacuum, dust, things like that. Um, But the truth is intentions are not actions. Intentions are not proof of goodness They are not facts. Your intentions are not a basis for reality. Your intentions are not enough. Because if intentions were anything more than just the emotional drive behind something and there was no action taken, they would be nothing. They're not enough. Intentions don't get things done. Intentions start a chain of events. And that chain of events can go nowhere. It can go positive. It can go negative. Um, But they're the thought process that can kickstart an action. That's what intentions are. Um, And what we do with those intentions, that's where the truth lies and how we can move forward. So our best intentions are really useless without thoughtful action. So when we say that, what do we mean by thoughtful action? It goes back to that age old thing that your parents said to you when you're little, think before you speak. And it is completely insane to me how many adults say that to children and then turn around and word vomit out negativity or hurtful things or just completely ignorant things to the people that they claim to love and support because we're not taking the time to think about what we do and speaking is an action so you may have the best intent with your words but if you don't speak 
that intent into action, then you're falling short. So take a moment to evaluate the action after you have the intent. And I know this happens to me often. I'm like, oh, someone will pop into my head. See, my best friend pops into my head. And I'm like, man, I just, I miss her lately. And I just feel like I want to do something special for her. Okay, great. And if I don't ever take action on that thought, which I have done numerous times, it pops into my head and then I get busy or I get distracted. She has been in no way affected by my intent because I didn't do anything with it. She hasn't been negatively affected, but she also hasn't been blessed with any positivity that came from that intent of wanting to send her some love or joy because I didn't take any action. So think before you act, speak and do. That's our intent that we're talking about. But then let's talk about the action. So when I say thoughtful, let's think about the person receiving the action from your intent. So it's kind of like knowing someone's love language. Do you guys remember that book that came out, The Five Love Languages? And I mean, honestly, it is a revolutionary and wonderfully written book that helps people understand that how I speak is not the way I necessarily want to be spoken to. How I love someone else is not necessarily the way I want to be loved. And um, it's a big self-reflection on how I like to show love, how I like to show appreciation, how I like to, how I naturally respond in these ways, but also how I receive those things. Um, and it's simple things like the difference between um, like a like speaking love into someone and showing action or showing up with time. And you can very easily speak love into someone that doesn't respond well to verbal compliments. But if you were to show them love by simple things like, oh, hey, I filled your car up with gas today. Or, hey, I made sure to do the dishes after dinner so you could relax. Little things like that. If we're, we're doing it with the intent of the person receiving it and not ourselves, we're going to have a much bigger impact. So it's, like I said, knowing someone's love language. Think of it this way. We, when we speak to children, we don't use large, complicated words. We speak to children on a child's level. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, infants and baby talk and the cuckoo-coo, because quite frankly, that's not my jam. And I never really did the, like, baby talk with my kids. But when I explain something complicated, if I'm explaining it to a seven-year-old, I'm not going to use advanced words. I'm going to explain it in a smaller version or a simpler way so that a seven-year-old can understand it. And then if I were to go explain something to a 13-year-old, I may use a different verbiage because that person needs to receive it in a different way because of who they are and where they are. So we explain something how they need to hear it. So when we're talking about supporting others authentically, we need to support them how they need to be supported, not how I think they need to be supported. And that gets the best result for both parties because if I'm supporting someone authentically, they're going to genuinely feel supported and then I'm going to feel the reciprocation of that on an authentic level because they feel supported. If you're supporting someone in the way that you've decided they need help, then chances are it's not going to be received in the way that you've assumed it's going to be received. And then you're not going to feel what you 
thought you were going to feel going into that transaction or that action or that moment. So the best way to avoid that is to start by simply asking questions. Asking questions is one of the simplest things that I can tell people, and yet it doesn't happen. People are so afraid to ask questions for fear of showing that they don't know something. And I, it, it saddens me, and I'm so upset by this reality because when I think about it, I think about it, let's start with a work example. You go into a new job and you don't know anything, so you have to ask questions to learn. Yeah, there's a training program, but you may not understand something the way it's written because it's written from the trainer's perspective and not how you receive things. Therefore, you ask a question to understand what's expected of you. You ask a question because you're not receiving it in the way that they wrote it because you're two different people. We can take this concept into these situations about supporting people and literally go to someone and say, I'd really like to support you right now. How can I best do that? It's a simple, do it over a text message if you're uncomfortable saying it out loud. Write write an email, say, hey, I just think you're doing a great thing and I'd love to support you. How can I best do that? More often than not, someone is going to say, oh, if you know, there's some great ways where you can support us. If you're doing that to a friend who started a small business, they're going to say, okay, we've got some great ways you can support us. Here's the link to their website. If you'd like to shop, if you don't, if you can't support in a monetary way right now, please feel free to post a review here and here, share us on your social. These are all wonderful ways that you can support us. And obviously that's a little easier when it comes to a business because there's kind of an A, B, and C of like shop, share, support, easy. When it comes to friendships, it's a little different. Um, But I still think that question of I'd really like to support you right now, how can I best do that should be had more often. When you have a friend that just had a baby and you want to support them, I know like the age old tradition is, okay, let's bring over some frozen meals and put them in the freezer. And then I'm going to come into your house and invade your time and your space. Maybe it's not the best time. I'm just going to pop up and show you that I support you by bringing a frozen meal. My suggestion is to text them and say, hey, we'd love to see the new baby and support you guys. Is there something that you need picked up on the way over? Or would you like me to bring you lunch? And if so, please let me know what I can get for you. This accommodates for any dietary restrictions. It accommodates for Maybe the fact that as a breastfeeding mother, she's eating something different or not not eating something, which you may not have thought of because you're not a breastfeeding mother right now. So it's really important to just ask that question so that you can best serve the person you're trying to serve. And obviously, I say this with respect to setting healthy boundaries. So you have to have respect for what you can offer. Don't just say, what can I do for you? Because they may sit there and say, okay, I'd love it if you came over and just sat with the baby for two hours while I did laundry. And you're sitting here thinking, well, I was really thinking of supporting you in a monetary way because I can do that because I don't have time. And I wanted to support you in a way where I can send you something or whatever. Those are all wonderful, beautiful, valid ways to support someone. So you have to set boundaries. If you are able to support someone with your time, then reach out to that person and say, hey, I'd love to support you. I have a few hours this Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Be specific. 
and say, what can I do for you during that time? Can I pick up some things, some errands for you? Can I come over and do a little laundry? Do you just need time to chat? Do you want me to babysit the kids? Like if I'm giving you my time as like my intention of supporting you, then tell me how I can do it best for you. And if it's in a monetary way, say, okay, you know what? I I don't have a lot of time, but I'd love to send you something. What would be best received by you right now? Would it be best if I door dashed some dinner to you tonight so you didn't have to cook? Would it be best if I sent you a gift card for to fill up your tank of gas? Can I send you a gift card to a grocery store and you can go buy yourself groceries? And then think about the duration of those things. If it's monetary, obviously it's kind of a set thing. If it's if it's time, it's a duration. Or if you say, hey, every Saturday, I'm free from 10 to 12. How can I support you in those moments? How can I support you during that time? Even little things like if someone says, oh, my house is a mess. A new mom says, my house is a mess. I just can't, I can't do it. What if you were to just... Again, ask a question, say, would you be comfortable with me gifting you a maid for one hour? And we can send over a maid service. They can tidy up the house, do a few loads of laundry, clean your counters, do your dishes, do your floors, and you'll feel like a new human. And then you were able to contribute what was best for you, which was a monetary thing, and what was best for them, which supported them with the one thing that was bothering them or then needed support in that moment. And little things like, I know this is so awkward and so many people may feel uncomfortable with this, but instead of a gift card, would cash be better? Money is such an odd topic. Money is an odd topic, even in relationships, people that have been together for years. Money is just, it's hard to talk about. There's so much emotion tied into money. So I get it. But my point is, if you're going to sit there and buy someone a gift card for a manicure for $30, And you're going to give it to someone who will never get a manicure. And they're sitting there going, okay, now I've got a wasted $30. You haven't actually supported me in any way. You've just told me how you think my nails should look and given me something I'm not going to do. So there's no longer value in your intent because you have devalued it by failing to understand what that person needed. Instead, say, hey, I'd like to spoil you a bit. If I got you a gift card for a manicure, would you use it? If not, would I be able to just send you a gift and you can use it in the best way possible? I know when I was a single parent, um, I had a parent try to support me by randomly stopping by with groceries. And that sounds like a beautiful thing. But when someone randomly stops by with groceries and it's bags full of things that I don't eat, my kids don't eat, or don't serve me in a way where as a single parent, I was able to use them. So instead of, you know, when I was a single parent, at this time I was working two, maybe three jobs, and I didn't have the time to sit there and meal prep and prep a bunch of raw veggies, or we didn't eat certain things, or my daughter was having an aversion to dairy and you brought over a bunch of dairy. So while the intent was really beautiful, in actuality, I had so much guilt around it because one, now I feel as if I'm being judged for how I eat, how I feed my kids, you know, what works for me and my schedule and my children. 
And two, now I feel guilty because I'm wasting things that that we don't eat because you brought me something that you thought I needed instead of something I actually needed. And at that point, there's a whole other level that goes into it. It feels very subconscious of like, it feels like it comes with judgment sometimes. And that's just me being on the receiving end, not all the time. And I'm not saying this for everyone, but in some, in a lot of instances where someone was trying to support me, Often what they did was explain to me in a subtle way through action and not words that I should be doing something I wasn't already doing. That can cause a lot of emotional trauma in a relationship and it can be avoided had you just asked, how can I support you? How can I support you? Again, these conversations do require a level of honesty that some people are uncomfortable with. Oftentimes people don't know how they can best be supported or they don't feel comfortable saying it out loud. Um, So there is, you know, there is a space for you to interpret things, but I don't really recommend it from the get. I recommend you just saying, look, I love you. I have the best intentions. My intent is to support you in this moment with what you're doing, whether it's business, relationship, a friend, someone going through a hard time, someone going through a loss. That's a big one. When I lost um, I haven't talked about this yet, but I have a son that passed away. And when that happened, nobody knew how to help. Nobody knew how to help. Everyone was awkward. Um, no one I knew or in my families had ever experienced that I knew of at the time, the loss of a child. And people were just confused. And so it was like randomly someone would send a, a card and they would no say super awkward things that they thought were helpful And the truth of the matter is the most helpful thing that happened in that moment, my cousin came into town and she called me and was like, I'm in town. I was home recovering and um, I'm going to get a little graphic here, but if you've ever had a baby and the baby passed away, what people don't really always think about when it comes to a woman's body is that you still develop breast milk. And so... When a breastfeeding mother stops breastfeeding, the milk basically piles up and piles up. It is incredibly painful. And you sit that way until your body realizes that you're not expressing any milk and it stops making it and then it goes down. I mean, for me, it was a couple days. For other women, I know it's longer. Everybody's different. But my cousin came into town in this moment and the most beautiful thing she did was call me and say, what can I do for you? Like, I I want to come see you. I know you're going through a lot. Like, what do you need anything? And I said, yes, can you please buy two bags of frozen peas? Because ice packs were shaped funny and they weren't working. I just, so she came over with two bags of frozen peas and she went to Target and bought me a very large sports bra because my breasts were incredibly swollen from this process. So she bought me a sports bra and two bags of frozen peas and it was the most memorable, helpful thing in that moment. And it has stayed with me for years. This was 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago. And I guarantee you, if someone said, oh, Diana um, just lost her son, I'm going to go over and I want to support her right now. I guarantee you not a single person would have thought, you know what I'm going to bring her? I'm going to bring her a sports bra and some frozen peas. 
nope, that's not that's not what you think about in that moment. I guarantee you they were sitting there going, okay, I'll bring her some flowers. I'll bring her a card, maybe a nice comfy blanket to relax in. Not a single person's going to say, okay, a sports bra and some frozen peas. But in that moment, the most supportive thing I was able to receive was someone asking me how I needed to be helped and how I needed to be supported. And so I just want you guys to take that with you. And first of all, make sure you take that pause. If you have that intent, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful starting point. I want to help this person. And then stop. Stop your ego. Stop thinking about yourself at that point. Give yourself 30 seconds to three minutes. I don't care what it takes. Stop thinking about yourself. And start thinking solely about the person you want to support. Whether you have to reach out to them or you really genuinely do know how they need to be supported because you have explored that in the past. Either way, your actions need to be based on them and not making yourself feel good about supporting someone else. Because at the end of the day, that's not support. That's just self-love. That's just you making yourself feel good and making it look like you're helping someone else. Let's just be honest. So again, my, my suggestions are that the best of intentions are useless without thoughtful action. And thoughtful action requires taking a moment to stop and evaluate the action you're going to take. Think about the person receiving it and what they need best. And if you don't know what they need best, then ask questions. It's as simple as that. And it's a really humbling thing to say, hey, I love you. I want to support you. I don't think I know what you need best right now. And do you have any idea for someone in a moment of needing support, how beautiful that would feel to not only be seen and heard, but you'll be supported just by those words and then supported even more by thoughtful action that has the proper impact on that person. So I just wanted to leave you guys with that today. Um, It was weighing heavily on my heart (laughs) in the last couple weeks. And again, if you found value in this episode, we so appreciate you listening. Screenshot um, the episode, share it on social, tag us at Owning Your Authenticity on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can find us on at owningyourauthenticity.com. We have a section on our website where you can just submit any sort of email questions um, or anything you think we would like to talk about. And again, subscribe to the podcast because we so appreciate it and it helps us make more. And we wish you a wonderful week and thank you for listening.